everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire and motivate, and people who can educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Dale Wallace from Manchester, England, who is an advanced level three personal trainer, as well as a corrective exercise specialist, weight loss specialist, and group personal trainer specialist. Dale works with people approaching 30 and beyond who need to break their weight loss plateau and skyrocket their energy and confidence. Dale also hosts his own podcast called the Do The Work Podcast. Welcome, Dale, to the podcast. Thank you, Rap. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, much appreciated. And thank you very much for that awesome introduction as well. <laughs> our, our pleasure. Dale, what motivated you to become a personal trainer? So for me, um, it's probably different to a lot of personal trainers. Often the route can be kind of, you know, being overweight to wanting to lose weight. Um, and with me being a weight loss coach, I think, or specialist, people tend to think it comes from that route. But for me, um, it was being the small skinny guy, to be fair. Um, it was very much being um, and feeling like I was just, yeah, smaller and, and, and not as, as, as big as the people around me, sort of being in, you know, sports changing rooms and things like that. Um, and always wanting to be a little bit bigger and thicker. And that got me into weight training. Um, and then that then sort of motivated me to um, be able to help other people feel sort of happier, healthier, more confident with the body. What requirements did you need, uh, Dale, to obtain an advanced level three personal trainer as well as a corrective exercise specialist? Yeah, so I did my, my personal trainer came first. Um, the level three is the minimum requirement that you need to sort of work within um, a, a gym as a PT within the UK. Um, the qualification differs sort of in different countries, if you will. Um, to do that, it was a 10-week course. It was an intensive sort of Monday to Friday, full day uh, course that consisted of, uh, you know, theory exams and then practical exams and things like that. Um, it is a qualification that once you've got it, you've got it the expectation is that you continue your learning and development after that um one of the things i wanted to, to develop within into was kind of corrective exercise which you've mentioned there which essentially is arming me with the ability to kind of help people that come to me with little niggles or little little injuries or maybe just sort of imbalances or tightness in in, in different area um, that particular course was an online course so that was lots of online learning and reading followed by an exam um, which again then has just left me, you know, much better armed to suit uh, to, to to help my clients. Uh, what 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 is the approach you take to create long term change? Yeah, so for me, it's really really important that that, that we focus in on habits. Um, so the big approach I get people to do is kind of start really small. Um, people often come to me with massive big sort of goals and aspirations and it's quite important that as a, as a coach, you manage that expectation, but still motivate them enough to, to want them to make big change. Um, and the big way I do that is by breaking it down into, into habits and daily actions um, and starting small, not saying go to the gym every day or, you know, go and sort of kill yourself in the gym and make yourself sick. It's a case of, right, where am I now? Um, and, and what can I do today? Or what can I do this week to start moving forward and start moving in the right direction rather than trying to go, you know, full speed ahead, if you will. Dale, what are the main reasons people uh, seek a personal trainer for? The people, the reason that people tend to come to me initially is weight loss. Um, but it's usually much deeper than that. 
Um, and this was talked about on in, in a course that I was on at the weekend. I attended a mental health uh, and exercise coach course to, to again, army um, to help people better in the psychological sense and, and with their struggles as well. Um, so people tend to come and they say it's weight loss, but it's usually body confidence. Um, it's usually kind of um, to, to improve their overall performance in life and overall health, um, how they feel in the clothes, you know, um, how they are with the partner or to maybe go and seek a partner. It usually goes much deeper than what that surface level initial reason is. Yeah, that makes sense. How would you advise someone to get started on their weight loss journey? So I would say if you started on your own to, as I said earlier, start small. So start as small as you could possibly think. So if you're someone currently, who you know, sits on the sofa and binge watches, watches Netflix and, you know, eats far too much of maybe what you probably shouldn't do for weight loss, it, it probably wouldn't be to go to the gym five days a week. It probably wouldn't even be to go to the gym. It might be to say, why don't you commit to going for a walk every day for 15 or 20 minutes? Um, obviously, it depends on the person and where they're at, and we've got to meet them where they're at. Um, but I would start as small as possible. Um, I know you, you mentioned you wanted to ask me on nutrition later, but I, I, I would just begin by making small changes rather than trying to change everything at once. You know, you hear about sort of yo-yo dieters and stuff like that. That, that comes from trying to do everything and go all in and then probably taking two steps back, you know, one step forward and two right, steps forward. Right. So commit to something that you can, you can do and you can achieve, but that just takes you slightly out of your comfort zone. How do you keep your clients motivated? For me, it's regular goal setting. So I, I have a meeting with my clients as a group every quarter, um, literally with the quarters of the year, so Q1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, and at the beginning of that, we set some goals for that quarter. That will often be a breakdown of someone's long-term goal but we break it down into a much smaller chunk so that it seems achievable. Um, it stretches them enough to it, for it to be challenging and motivating. Um, but so that it seems achievable, they set those goals, they send them over to me. I hold them accountable to them goals. Um, but often they share it with the community as well. I find that being inside a community of other like-minded people really motivates people and inspires people, but then supports them at the same time when they're, when they're struggling a little bit. Where do most people go wrong, Dale, in, uh, in trying to lose weight? Yeah, so touched on it earlier, I would say, with regards to that. So for me, I think they try to do too much too soon um, and they expect too much too soon. So someone thinks they might start a diet and I need to lose 10 pounds in a week. You know, they usually start yeah. too late. Maybe the wedding's next month or maybe the holiday's next month and they try and do it and cram it all in. And then they might achieve a little bit and feel a little bit better, but they go back to the normal habits after so it's going back to those habits again. It's going back to starting small again. Um, and it's, yes, commit to it. And yes, make a good effort to it. But don't set expectations that you can't stick to. Um, so set something that's better than where you are now and that moves you in the right direction, but doesn't take you so far out of your sort of current lifestyle that you can't stick to it long term. So Dale, tell us how uh, you help people approach their nutrition when and nutrition is is a big part of this i'm sure yeah so nutrition is a very it gets complicated with regards to weight loss and often it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. the most important thing to achieve weight loss is that you're in a calorie deficit which means essentially you're, you're expending more calories than you're taking in through food and drink 
Um, there are a lot of systems um, and they're probably similar sort of diet clubs and particular diets that people say you should follow. And there's a lot of information bias in a sense of people pushing their beliefs on everyone else. When the best thing that you can do with your nutrition is focus on eating probably less processed foods than what you are now. Right. Um, probably creating more of a plan of a, and a structure on what you're going to have. My recommendation to clients is that they, because in most cases they need to, they increase the protein intake. I would like to take a few moments out of the podcast to tell you about one of our guests, Lisa Lilly, who is an attorney, adjunct professor of law, podcaster, and renowned writer of detective mysteries and supernatural thrillers featuring smart female protagonists. All her work, such as her fiction and nonfiction books, her podcast, Buffy and the Art of Story, can be seen on her website, www.lisalilly.com. Her nonfiction book, Happiness, Anxiety, and Writing, Using Your Creativity to Live a Calmer, Happier Life, shares ways for creative people to use their imagination and writing skills to create a calmer, happier life. A vivid imagination can help you tell compelling stories, but it can also cause anxiety. Reading this book, Happiness, Anxiety, and Writing, you will learn techniques to derail anxious thoughts you otherwise repeat, ways to talk to yourself and others that promote calm rather than reinforce worry. There are specific targeted exercises to direct your creative mind and imagination in a positive way, how and when to write, and rewrite the best parts of your life for greater happiness and more. Reading this comprehensive guide, you will learn how to rewrite your thought processes when they do nothing to serve your well-being, but you will discover how to completely shift the inner workings of your mind and in turn your thoughts and behaviors. You will explore how you can find solutions to overcoming obstacles, stop overthinking, and taking action and setting goals that inspire you to succeed, not cause you to quit, and so much more. This is not a quick fix positive thinking guide, but a step-by-step -step manual with exercises at the end of each chapter to transform your mindset to one of optimism and peacefulness. Part memoir, part how-to, happiness, anxiety, and writing explains clear, simple steps to lower stress, solve problems, and increase happiness. It includes examples from Lisa's own journey from being gripped by anxiety to a more relaxed, healthier life. Available in paperback and Kindle edition from Amazon, Google Play, Apple, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. The book and author's links will be posted in the podcast notes. Thank um there's a number of benefits that come with that, which include obviously getting enough protein to, to recover from your training sessions and repair and rebuild. Um, it also helps with fulfilling your appetite, um, which is obviously good for people that find themselves quite hungry. Again, if you're eating more things like that and manage your appetite better, you're not going to be as hungry in between meals. You're not going to snack and do all the things that probably um, harm your weight loss goals or aspirations, if you will. Right. So Important things, yeah, or reduce it down the processed foods, be consistent in your meal times and make a plan. If you make a plan, you're more likely to stick to it. If you leave something to chance, don't prepare your meals. Um, there's then a good chance that you're going to be, you know, in the wrong shops and making decisions with fast foods because you just haven't already made a commitment.
Right. Do you rec uh, do you recommend nutrition supplements? Why or why not? As a rule of thumb, I would say I don't recommend if someone comes to me, unless they're sort of deficient in something, then I wouldn't necessarily say you must take this. You have to have this. There is a big push within the fitness industry from a lot of people to, again, sort of push things on people and tell them they need it when potentially they don't. Most people can get improvements in their in their health and the diet and their overall lifestyle by simply, you know, as I mentioned, you know, less processed foods, more fruits, more vegetables, those kind of things. Doing those things, focusing on improving your sleep, going to bed at a consistent time, waking up at a consistent time would have more of a benefit than the supplements would do. In particular cases, people might have deficiencies, um, at which point then it might be that that got recommended by a, a dietitian or a nutritionist, potentially, if it's an extreme case. But something like a creatine supplement would be, would be, would be something I would recommend for most people. Um, a lot of people will be deficient in vitamin D. That would be something that I might sort of sort of blanket recommend, if you will. Um, and, and, and maybe a multivitamin or omega-3s or 6s if you know someone doesn't have an intake of a lot of healthy fats, as we would say, um, in the diet. But they, they would be probably the, the ones I would recommend for like you know the average person. Yeah, creatine, supplement, vitamin D, omega. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh Talk, talk to us about the importance of habits. So this is, a, this is a vast subject, to be fair. And what we've got to think about with habits is what we do every day shapes our results. Um, and, and I like to say um, the quote of what you do today doesn't matter, but what you do every day for a long period of time matters more than what you could know. Um, so, you know, we can make a one-off decision to go to the gym today and, that in the grand scheme of things means absolutely nothing. But if we do that combined over a period of time, then that's going to make a hell of a change to our mental health, to our physique, right. fitness, and, and, and all of that. So it's more about what we can do every day, not what we can do once in a while, which is why we want to really build those foundation, those, those habits. And I suppose you could say non-negotiables in a way. Yeah. You can commit to, you know, getting outside for 20 minutes and going for a walk every day, um, then that would be a good thing to do. And what you'll find is when you start with habits, you build momentum as well. And you can do it in the other way. So we can build, once we get started, it gets easier to keep going. Once we've been to the gym once, it's easier to go the following day and the following day. But at the same time, if we get out of the habit of doing that, it's harder to then get going. It's hard um, to get back in, yeah. Absolutely. And it happens the same with diet. You know, once you get moving and eating, you know, you go shopping and, and you get, um, as, as you would say, your groceries or your, your food in, um, yeah. it's easier to then have the meals and it, it builds on itself. But once you start, I'll have a takeaway tonight or, or what have you, um, you then get on that slippery slope, so to speak, of then also creating a bad habit if that makes sense or uh, yeah. maybe a, a nicer term might be a habit that's not congruent with your goals um so it's good to recognize that, that there are habits that are congruent to your goals and the habits that aren't we want to focus more on them, the ones that are the only other thing i would touch on there is it's very difficult to just stop doing something so with regards to your habits if you're wanting to stop something it's very important to start something else you right. be aware that when people stop smoking, they tend to put weight on or they tend to start maybe drinking or whatever that might be. Um, 
So it's really important to make sure if you're stopping something that you do daily, that's, you know, um, not serving you, so to speak, what are you going to replace that habit or that time with? And it might be going to the gym, it might be eating healthier, it might be going out for a walk, but it's really important to have something else to focus on. Because if you're thinking about one thing, all you're going to do is continue to think about that thing. And So you're talking about fi- find a suitable substitution. Absolutely. Yeah. So Dale, we all know diet and exercise is the key. Uh, what do you consider a good time period is to exercise and talk about the effects of over-exercising? Okay, cool. Yeah. So the easy answer to that would be, um, you know, it depends and, and, and it kind of does depend. My personal sort of guidance with regards to my clients would be you should be in the gym or exercising somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour optimally. However, if you're someone who's you know seriously restricted on time, then it's not harmful to do slightly less, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. It's just not optimal. So the optimal answer to, the, to, to your question would be 45 minutes to an hour um, from, from my experience. And that's what I do for my own training as well. Um, in terms of frequency to answer that, I would recommend for most people somewhere between three to five times per week. If you're more of a beginner, you could probably get away with a lower frequency. If you're more advanced, you could get away with a a higher frequency. Um, and then with regards to, you mentioned sort of too much or overtraining, um, often people are sort of more under recovered than overtrained. If that makes sense, they don't give themselves enough time to kind of recover, yeah. That can be solved through your diet. That can be solved through your sleep. Um, but if people are just, you know, training hell for leather six to seven days per week, you probably might recommend that they could reduce the frequency of the sessions down. Um, they might be able to maintain the intensity, but it very much depends on the goal as well. And, and, and the, what we would say is the training age of the person. So how long they've been training, but yeah, as a rule of thumb, three to five times per week and, and 45 minutes to maybe 60 minutes. Dale, what's the best time of day to work out? You hear people say best to work out in the morning. Other people say later in the day. Do you have a, any idea on that? Yeah, I've kind of got two different answers. I'm going to sort of sit on the fence a little bit as well. My personal preference is afternoon. I, I, I'm quite lucky in my job. I can build my days around where it's most optimal for me to train. And the reason I choose that time is because I've got the most energy. I've had a few meals in me by that point. Um, and the performance in my session is at its best. However, for most people that have office jobs, they work nine to five, I would argue that the morning is the best time to train. The morning, um, okay. You're getting them endorphins as the, as the day begins. Um, you're feeling successful once you've been to the gym. Um, therefore, the rest of your day is probably going to be built around better decisions. Um, and also, the other side of that is, you don't get until 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. You've got all day to decide then not to go to the gym. You've right. already conquered that beast. You've already done it. And you, you're feeling successful for the day ahead. You can go home with the kids, with the family, whatever that might be. And you're also probably not in a, a packed gym at, uh, in the evening at peak time. So, yeah, I, I would say at the time at which you think you will train optimally in terms of performance. But if you, if you don't have the opportunity to do that, for example, during the, day, the middle of the day, um, then I would say the morning is the best time. Now, for those of us who cannot do weight resistance training for whatever reasons, uh, what other aerobic exercises do you recommend? And can they get by with just doing cardio? 
Yeah, so again, it depends on the goal. I would always try and, if I can, get some form of resistance training um, in someone's program. And that doesn't mean it has to begin with weights. It could be some basic body weight movements. If someone's really struggling, it could be simple as standing up or sitting down from a chair, for example, to sort of mimic, for example, what, what would be a squat. So the, there are always movements that you can kind of do um, to lower the load and the intensity. You can use things like resistance bands and stuff like that. I would try and get some resistance training in there. Again, it would depend on what the issue was with the person. That being said, um, cardio is still very, very effective. If someone is struggling to deal with any level of load or intensity or impact, something like swimming um, or, or walking, something as simple as that can, can be great. We want to essentially take um, our muscles and our joints through as much of a range of motion as we can. Um, we want to avoid being as sedentary as we can for as long, you know, as long as possible, if that right. makes sense. Right. If someone sits down all day, my recommendation wouldn't be to go and cycle, for example, and sit down on a bike. Right. It would be maybe to get in the pool or go for a walk or and probably get outside, ideally. Um, so again, my recommendation would vary on the person, their lifestyle, their occupation, but I would always recommend something is better than nothing. So yeah, if all they can do is something small, let's go do that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned swimming and walking because that's primarily what I do. Yeah, <laughs> and awesome. I haven't I, I haven't been lifting weights in in a in a while because I I really didn't want to get back in the gym with the you know with all the COVID and all that stuff. So. Yeah, uh, I think there's a few people that will they'll still feel like that. I don't think gyms yet are back to certainly my gym's not quite back to as as busy as it was pre COVID. Um, there's still a lot of sort of you know anxiety I suppose around it, which is understandable. Yeah, how do you how do you handle clients who complain of? Uh, chronic pain that keeps them from working out yeah so again it depends on the sort of the locality of the pain and um i suppose where it's originated from so i find that a lot of people that come to me um who struggle with maybe back pain or you know tightness in the hamstrings and in the hips and things like that that can often come from how they've spent most of the life which is often where i am now sat down in front of a, a laptop or a computer so the, the most important thing that these people can do, as I touched on before, and as I just said to yourself, then is get moving, even if it's just a case of walking um, or, or swimming. We want to take joints through full ranges of motion. Often um, things like stretching and foam rolling can be, can be recommended. That's not going to do any harm as such, but it's maybe not the most optimal thing to do. Um, we're designed to move as much as we can. So I would recommend... Um, for those people to just start by moving, even if it's small little movements, like if they're housebound, for example, can you walk up and down the stairs a few times? Can we get the heart rate, not maybe yeah. not racing as such, but elevated a little bit? Um, can we get those joints moving, hips, knees, etc.? cetera? Um, and whilst we do that, we get the blood flow there. Um, and when, when we do that, then we can kind of um, take out some of the tension that's built up in those muscles that often can cause that chronic pain. However, if it's something that stems from a particular injury, that would be obviously specific to, to, to what that is. Right. So explain to us the importance of, uh, of discipline and motivation. And tell us, tell us how your methods differ from other personal trainers. Yeah. So discipline and motivation, I suppose two, two separate entities. Motivation for me will 
um, or for anyone in that matter, how I see it. Motivation comes and goes, and we can't necessarily rely upon always feeling motivated. The way I describe this to my clients is it's kind of like a little cycle, if you will. And the only way to really trigger true motivation is to get results. But what people tend to do is they wait for mo- for the motivation to arrive before they start doing something. So I like to remind people that the most important thing you can do is take an action regardless of how you feel. As a result of taking action consistently, you will start to see results. And as a result of you seeing those results, you're then going to start to feel motivated. That will then inspire you to continue to take action. But it starts with taking action because motivation can come and go. You'll probably know yourself. Some days you feel motivated to go out and do your swim or do your walk. And some days you don't. But what you'll always feel once you have done it, if you've done it when you didn't feel good for it, is that you remember the feeling that you had after. And it's oh, yeah. really important to, to do that for sure. Um, and then the discipline is, I suppose, having that that strong mindset that you're going to do it anyway. You're going to do it regardless of, of how you feel because you know that at the end of that, that's going to spark some feel-good hormones, if you will, and it's going to spark a little bit of motivation to, to, to do it again. So it's important to, to remember that the, the discipline has got to kind of overpower that motivation. And, and if we look at the, the top performers in, in fields, whether it's business or sports or whatever that might be, they are incredibly disciplined. And they, they don't always feel like, you know, the swimmers don't always feel like getting in the pool every day for hours on end or, you know, footballers going to training or what have you. But they do it because they know the end result is is worthwhile and what they're seeking. What kind of success rate do you have with your methods? So everyone that implements what I give them will, will get results um, in some capacity. What's important to remember that everyone's different. So everyone will achieve results at different rates. Um, no one size sort of approach can spit out the same result for everyone, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah. if me and you was to complete the same program, eat the same things and move the same amount, for example, we would get different results based on our age, based on our genetics, all of those things. So it's right. very difficult to kind of give you a definitive answer. What I would say is um, males within sort of three months tend to lose between 15 and 30 pounds if we attribute it to weight loss. Um, and then females, some are between 12 and 15, 12 and maybe 20 pounds, sort of real top performers. But again, people that come in that are substantially heavier have a little bit of a benefit of the people that come in smaller. So using weight loss isn't always a good example. What people get, and the, for me, the most important thing that they come out with is that they come out with a newfound confidence, um, and that can often link over to other areas of the life. So I've had clients come to me before and sort of feel undervalued at work, um, have a conversation around confidence, start to go to the gym, start to feel better, start to look better in the in, in the mirror in their eyes, um, ask for a pay rise and get a pay rise, and suddenly realise that they're worth way more than what what they thought they were initially. Um, so it's things like that that are hard to measure that actually are better to, um, to hear as a, as a coach than, you know, a number on the scales dropping. I'm just curious, Dale, uh, what age people uh, arrange in your, in your client uh, membership? Uh, do you see mostly young people or just a variety of people? Yeah, so... Naturally, I see. I'm, pers- I'm 30 years old. Um, 
I don't tend to attract many uh, young people relative to me. So um, for me, it's people uh, sort of approaching 30 and then beyond that. My oldest client um, is 69. Um, so there is quite a wide range after that. Um, but I don't really have any sort of, you know, 20 year olds, 22 year olds. There are coaches in my gym that attract that kind of client. Um, but I have sort of naturally sort of magnetized people sort of similar age to me. And then um, beyond which um, for me, obviously I'm, I'm happy with as you, as you do that, you harness your skills in helping those people. Um, it's important to recognize the kind of person that, that you sort of attract so that you can help them best. Now, talk to us about getting uh, fixated or hung up on weight, on scale weight, once we reach our goal. So, for example, we reach our goal and then we're exercising and we get on the scale and, you know, we're up two or three pounds. Is that something to be concerned about? Uh, can you talk about that a little? Everyone's got... Um a different way of dealing with the scales. Some people react quite positively, some people react quite negatively. Um, so for some people, potentially weighing themselves isn't a good idea. For people who get really, as you say, hooked in on the scales and react really emotionally to those daily fluctuations or even weekly fluctuations, um, and especially females with the menstrual cycle, that can play a huge part in, um, in weight fluctuating. Um, and although females experience this every month, they often don't really understand, there's no disrespect, but most people don't understand those fluctuations happen and why. Um, and a lot of it is just retaining fluid during different parts of the cycle. Um, and some females can fluctuate, you know, up to sort of six, seven pounds, um, yeah. like, you know, three kilos or um, however you want to sort of frame that three and a half kilos. And that that's a lot of weight. And if you're stepping on quite frequently and if, if you're comparing to, you know, last week, for example, and, you know, the females in a, a different part of a cycle comparing to, you know, week four to week three, for example, it's not really a fair comparison. And what they maybe should do is compare week four to the previous week four and week three to the previous week three. Right. And that would be a more accurate way of, of an and fair way of doing it. Um, for a male, it's a little bit different. So week to week, you can be fairly consistent with where you are. Our hormones don't fluctuate as much. Um, but daily fluctuations can be, you know, food volume, um, as I say, water retention. When we, uh, when we eat uh, carbohydrates, we retain more water. So if you've had a heavy carbohydrate dominant meal, um, the chances are the morning after that, you're going to feel and look a little bit more bloated and you're going to be heavier on the scales. I can attest to that, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> After eating that bread last night, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, was, that isn't necessarily bad. And an easy way to think about the scales is um, large fluctuations overnight aren't body fat, but fluctuations over time is probably body fat. Yeah. Uh, and that's the best way to think about it. But if you're someone who reacts emotionally to the scales, if you're still after the education of understanding the fluctuations, struggle to deal with it. There's other methods you can use. Um, if it's fat loss or body composition you're aiming for, then taking photos and comparing a photo, you know, four weekly or eight weekly could work. And then also taking circumference measurements um, as well is, is a good way of doing it. But even then you want to be taking into account the specific time um, that you're doing it and keeping it consistent. Because again, bloat and things like that can, can distort those results. Dale, what traits uh, do your successful clients have? What, what, what do they all have in common? 
I would say the biggest thing is just um, a winning mindset, a strong mindset to turn up anyway. Um, and also honesty. So I was having this conversation with um, two clients today, one person who's particularly honest and comes to me at the time of um, maybe having a bad week or a bad day and tells me straight away. Um, and then there's another client who maybe will kind of go into hiding. The, the best thing that a client can do after they've had a bad day or a bad week is come to me and tell me. So then I can support them, um, you know, and, 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 and help them. Or I can tell them what they need to hear, dependent upon the situation. But if I don't hear about it, I can't help them. So right. that's a really important thing to kind of be honest. But yeah, to have that drive and that discipline to kind of come in and do it anyway. But that all stems um, from really understanding the reason why you're doing it. So as we mentioned at the start, weight loss isn't enough. Um, you know, or a little bit fitter isn't enough. Yeah. A little healthier. It has to cut deeper than that. Um, I'll always ask a client, you know, five to 10 times, why? I want to lose weight, why? And then why, 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 why? To, to, to try and get to the crux of the real reason why that is. Because when you know and understand that, you can use that and kind of leverage that to get into that cycle of action results, motivation. Oh. That's great that you're doing that and delving that deep, that deep into it. Um, Dale, explain to us about, and I believe you do this, it's called online coaching. Who is it aimed at and how is it made up? Online coaching, did you say? Online, yeah. Oh, online, sorry. Yeah, yeah online, my, my online accent. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yes, so yes, do online coaching. Online coaching is something that's probably, it's been there for, a good while now but it's sort of grown exponentially in since covid i think pretty much when people haven't had access to gyms um so i offer both face-to-face and online face-to-face is your standard personal training session where you will come in meet your pt at the gym they'll take you through the session and then you will leave and you'll probably see them maybe a couple of times a week for example in most cases um online coaching is a little bit different online coaching you don't see a trainer in the gym you go in the gym on your own um, and you have a set program that you will follow. Online coaching is a lot more empowering because what's really important for someone when they, when they encounter coaching is that they're not always going to need you so that they're going to be able to go off and, and do it on their own. And the best way sometimes to do that is to go in at the deep end and do that. But often when you don't have the guidance, you don't know where to start, what to do, it can be daunting in the gym. So online coaching provides everything that you need with regards to um, what to do in the gym. You're shown how, in my case, how to do it with regards to videos. You'll be given exact sets, reps, uh, weights, and what to do, uh, rest periods, all of that. For every session that you do, um, there'll be a nutrition strategy um, or a diet strategy for that individual person based on their likes, dislikes, um, what I think is right for them um, in terms of, as I say, their sort of lifestyle or occupation, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also then there's regular check-ins. So each week they would check in with me um, via a, a form that they fill in and then they get um, feedback from me every week via video. Um, or if they need a call like we're having now on, on Zoom, um, yeah. then we'll have that call and sort of um, quash any problems, so to speak. Or if there's roadblocks coming up in the future, then we'll put a plan together for that together. Um, so it's basically a bulletproof plan that those things go away and implement. Um, and then they've got the accountability from me to sort of hold them accountable to what, what they said they were going to do essentially. 
So do you, do you have clients uh, throughout, uh, obviously throughout the UK, but do you have clients uh, worldwide? For me at the minute, it's uh, it's just UK. I have had um, I have worked with someone from Australia, um, which was kind of cool. To be fair, the the time difference made it sometimes challenging to arrange calls and stuff, but we made it work. Like morning and evening, or evening and morning. Um, so yeah, mainly UK, but it is available uh, worldwide. Okay, so uh, anybody in our audience who wants to get a hold of you, they can get a hold of you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Dale, what would be your main takeaway message today for people thinking about losing weight and hiring a personal trainer? The, the first thing I'd say is don't wait on reaching out to someone. Um, people will um, sit and wait on things for a hell of a long time. And often when people contact me, they'll say, I've been thinking about it for so long, or I've been putting it off for so long. Um, we talked about momentum earlier and the importance of just taking action and doing something. So it would be act on it straight away. Um, I would be, you know, making sure that the person that you're contacting is right for you. Have a look at their content, um, have a look at the previous work if they've kind of displayed that, um, and have a look who they work with. Um, be honest with them and tell them exactly what it is that you, that you want to achieve, and be honest with yourself um, about why you want to achieve it. Because we've said surface level weight loss isn't enough. Usually, it's body confidence and things like that um, that can be measured in a number of ways. Um, but yeah, be honest with yourself, take action straight away. Don't sit and wait because the longer you wait, the harder it gets to make that contact. And the more of the, I like to say is kind of the monster under the bed, which if you don't look, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and, and yeah. it grows. So yeah, get on with it. Don't dawdle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, what are you most excited about going forward? For me, I have just attended, um, a mental health course at the weekend and I feel much more prepared now to support my current clients with their mental health and, and also new clients that come to me in the future. So at this moment in time, when you ask me that question, I can't wait to present that sort of new information to my clients um, and, and to sort of instill that as my kind of message going forward, that it's not just about weight loss. It's essentially all about how we feel. Um, and I kind of want to be part of the movement that, uh, that helps people feel better. Dale, how can people contact you? So um, if you want to check out my podcast, as you mentioned earlier, um, kindly it's the Do The Work podcast. If you search that on Spotify, Apple, any of the major platforms, you can find me on there. Um, on social media, you'll find me at the Do The Work Coach, or all one word, at the Do The Work Coach. They're the main sources. I have a website, which is www.dothework.com they'd be the main platforms to find me. Okay. And I will list that uh, contact information in the podcast notes. And Dale, I want to thank you uh, for all the great information and for being such a dedicated person, trying to help people get healthier, motivated, and inspired. Uh, your comments and suggestions to improve the, con uh, the podcast are always welcome. Our website is www. It's a wrap with rap.com. We're on Facebook. It's a wrap with rap. Email it's a wrap with rap at gmail.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap. <laughs>